Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm Pastor Laura Hutchinson from First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama, and this is my podcast. Many of you listening today are members of my congregation and are having to worship from home because I'm recovering from gallbladder surgery. Well, thank you very much for your patience with me and for being so willing to go with the flow these days. You are truly a remarkable group of people, and I'm thankful for you. The rest of you listening are somewhere else in the country and in the world, and your presence here is also a blessing. To give me the opportunity to bring you a word from the scriptures, well, that's an honor. So thank you for being here. For those of you who are regular worshipers with First Christian Church, I would like to ask you to please remember your church with your tithes and offerings today. God is pleased when we respond to God's generosity with gifts of love. And God knows that in our giving, we are saying that we trust the Lord to take care of our every need. If you decide to give to God through our little church, you can do so in two ways. One, using PayPal. Go to our website, www.fccanniston.org. Scroll down to the very bottom of the page and click the Donate Now button. The other way is to send an old-fashioned check made out to First Christian Church and mailed to 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207. Now, since this podcast is, for the most part, a full worship service that includes the celebration of the Lord's Supper, I want you to know that everyone is welcome to the table in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. So if you want to join us for this sacred meal, go ahead and get what you need. Some bread or crackers, some juice or wine, and light a candle as well. Welcome the light of Christ into your midst this hour. Please pause this recording as you go and get what you need. And now let us worship the Lord our God as people who love with every part of ourselves. As you love us, O God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Allow your love to overcome us, to spill out of us, and to fall into every person around us. We are your followers, Lord Jesus, and we seek to do your will in all things. Amen. Now let's sing along with Jason, Gerald, and Annie with our hymn of praise, Here I Am, Lord. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in deepest sin, my hand will save. I, who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright, will bear my light to them, whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, in 
in my heart. I, the Lord of wind and flame, I will tend the poor and lame. I will set a feast for them. My hand will save. Finest bread I will provide till their hearts be satisfied. I will give my life to them. Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go. Today's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will pull the sheep, put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. 
the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Now, I believe that our scripture today is not about punishment or judgment or scaring people straight, as I'm sure that it's been taught before. No, I believe that our scripture is meant to be a reminder of what is truly important as followers of Christ, which means it's about what is truly important to Christ himself. Now, if you ask a non-believer on the street what they think about Christians, my guess is you will get a wide range of answers and probably mixed into them will be some kind of observation about our obsession with sinful behavior. And then mixed into that might be commentary on the hypocrisy of Christians, right? Like we're so concerned about how other people are sinning and we never actually focus on how we are sinning. And whatever conclusions they draw from all of that, the fact is that a lot of Christians are focused on sinful behavior. Why is that? Is that what Jesus was truly worried about? Is Jesus keeping score on all the bad things we did in this life and then passing harsh judgment on us when we die? If so, that is a pretty bleak vision for the future of Jesus's followers, don't you think? Well, let me pose a different scenario for you. Maybe when it's time for us to stand before Jesus and be judged, just maybe Jesus will look at what we didn't do rather than at what we did wrong. Maybe Jesus will be more concerned by the good that we did rather than by the sins we committed. Not because there's a scorecard in heaven and not because we can earn our way into heaven with good behavior, but because the good we do for others is an indication of how much we truly love Jesus. When I was working as a youth director early, early on, I was actually before seminary, um, in Atlanta, Georgia, the youth minister and I took the group on a mission trip to our nation's capital. We stayed at National City Christian Church, the Disciples Church just down from DuPont Circle, and we helped with a summer program that they were doing for the children in the area. One night, I got the chance to go out with some college friends who lived around there, and we had a great time chowing down at a Mexican restaurant. So, of course, I ate so many chips and cheese dip that I couldn't eat my dinner. So I packed it up and carried it back to the church for lunch the next day. As I walked back, I passed a homeless man sleeping in the doorway of a drugstore. The reason I noticed him is because he woke as I came near and he just stared at me as I walked past him. So I stopped and said, would you like my leftovers? I've hardly touched them and they're really good. Yes, please, he said. And I, when I handed him the food, he started to cry. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father. 
Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. The people that the Son of Man judged in a positive light were not saints. They weren't perfect. And they were not especially devout or pious. They were just people who saw their neighbors. And once you truly see a person, it's very difficult to ignore their needs, especially if you have the means to help them. But what about the people that I don't help? Am I supposed to give away every single thing I have to have nothing left? Am I supposed to visit every person currently incarcerated in jail near me? Am I supposed to take in every homeless person that I pass on the street? I imagine that if we take this text too literally, the task could seem overwhelming, don't you think? The thing is, when you study the Gospels, when you get a broad understanding of who Jesus was, then you begin to realize that what is important to him is the spirit of the law. After all, he summed up all the laws and the prophets of the Old Testament into two commandments, which actually are the name is, is where the name of this podcast came from. To love God with all you have and then to love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, if you do those two things, then you will most certainly find yourself obeying all of the other laws. And that's because Jesus saw that the spirit of all of God's laws was really about love. So is every person expected to visit people in prison, to feed all the hungry, to clothe the poor, to take a stranger into their home, and so on? Well, maybe, and maybe not. It depends on the person and what God wants for them. But I knew an elderly lady who was just the dearest person. She was kind and enthusiastic about life and people, and you could see the result of that by the way other people reacted to her. She was a woman of faith who had gotten more and more into studying the scriptures in her old age, and there was something that was really bothering her. She had never visited someone in prison, as Jesus calls us to do in this text. So she begged me to take her, and I tried. Now, I'm not very well connected to the prison system in our area, so I tried to find others who could get her in to visit and pray with someone who was incarcerated. However, because of her disabilities, we weren't able to accommodate her wish, and she ended up passing away without ever having visited someone in prison. Do I think that she's being judged harshly for that? No, I do not. I don't, because I know that my friend lived out her life as a person who loved her neighbor, as a person who was always thinking about and concerned about the needs of those around her. I know that she's not been judged harshly for not having visited someone in prison because she lived out the spirit of God's law with every breath she took in this life. In her love for God and her love for all of her neighbors, she was a truly righteous woman. Then the righteous answered him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? When, Lord, when did we do all of that? 
For many years after college, I've told this story a lot throughout my ministry. My sister, Molly, worked in downtown Atlanta at either the Apparel Mart or the Gift Mart. She worked at both places sometimes. Every day, she'd walk past homeless people on her way into work, and every night, she saw the same folks camped out around the building, the lucky ones sleeping in refrigerator boxes for some protection against the elements. When the weather turned cold, Molly noticed that many of these people were woefully underdressed and freezing, especially at night. So she went to Target and bought five or six blankets to keep in her car in case she saw anyone who needed one. One night as she was leaving the mart, she saw the large legs and feet of a man sticking out the end of a large box. It was freezing outside that night and the man was shivering. So she got a blanket from her car and approached him. Excuse me, sir, would you like a blanket? She said. There was a pause and she wasn't sure he'd hurt her, but then she saw a very large, young, dark-skinned hand reach out the opening and she heard a strong, deep voice say, Thank you very much. Molly remembers thinking that this young man ought to be in college playing sports or something else, not sleeping in a box on the streets and she walked away grieving and praying for him. And the king will answer them, Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. So often we Christians are concerned about the things we commit, and that's not a terrible thing. After all, our sins cause harm to us, to our neighbors, and to our relationships. The reason God does not want us to sin is because God wants us to be able to live lives in perfect harmony with God and with each other. And sin keeps that from happening. But while we focus on the bad things that we do, very often we fail to notice our sins of omission, don't we? Often in our prayer of confession, we talk about this very thing. Do you notice it? When Do you remember this? And have you noticed this part of the prayer? We say these words. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Very often, the things we don't do in our lives are way more important than what we do do. Are we too caught up in our own needs, our own concerns, our own wants, and our own worries to see the people, people suffering around us? Are we selfish and self-centered, thus rendering the needy invisible? Or do we see them, but pass judgment on them and refuse to help because we assume they are the sinners? After all, you don't end up in jail for doing nothing, do you? If you hadn't been such a sinner, you wouldn't be there, so why should I visit you? And you wouldn't be homeless if you weren't an addict or lazy or whatever. And maybe you're sick because God is punishing you for something you did. And maybe you're hungry because you made poor financial decisions and you need to learn the hard way to be wiser with your money. And maybe we look upon certain people with contempt and think, well, God surely is going to judge you harshly when all along we're the ones being judged for not being there for our fellow human being. Maybe we're being judged because we walk around saying we love God with all our hearts, but it's obviously not true. It's obvious 
because if we loved God, we would naturally be loving towards God's people as well. As people who have received the loving gift of a Savior who was willing to die for us, we too should be filled with love. I mean, if we've truly accepted the gift of God's grace, then that gift will fill us to the tipping point. It's impossible to contain it, really. When God loves us and when we love God, really, we are filled with it. And as that love grows, it spills over and out of us, and we are driven to love other people in this world. Because of the compassion God shows us in our brokenness, we then turn to our neighbors and have compassion for them. We do not feed or clothe or welcome or care for the least of these because we're afraid of hell or because we're trying to work our way into heaven. We care for our neighbor, the least of these, because we are loved, because we love Christ, because we are moved by God's mercy to care for anyone who needs us. Because we are loved, we show love. The church is an agent of God's love. The reason we're here is to serve Christ by serving the members of his family. The whole reason for our existence is to be Christ in the world. Because if we're not praying, worshiping, praising, and then responding with service, then we're just occupying valuable real estate and paying bills for no reason at all. If we're not doing good for the people in our midst, then we're guilty of sins of omission. Tony Campolo wrote this book. He wrote this in his book, The Year of Jubilee. He said, I walked down Chestnut Street in Philadelphia. There was a filthy bum covered with soot from head to toe. He had a huge beard. I'll never forget that beard. It was a, a gigantic beard with rotten food stuck in it. He held a cup of McDonald's coffee and mumbled as he walked along the street spotted me and said, hey, mister, you want some of my coffee? I knew I should take some to be nice, and I did. I gave it back to him and said, you're being pretty generous giving away your coffee this morning. What's gotten into you that you're giving away your coffee all of a sudden? He said, well, the coffee was especially delicious this morning, and I figured if God gives you something good, you ought to share it with people. I figured, Yep, this is the perfect setup. I said, is there anything I can give you in return? And thought, I'm sure he's going to hit me up for $5. Yeah, he said. You can give me a hug. Well, to be honest, Tony said, I was hoping for the $5. He put his arms around me. I put my arms around him. And I realized something. He wasn't going to let me go. He was holding on to me. Here I am, an establishment guy, and this bum is hanging on me. He's hugging me. He's not going to let me go. People are passing on the street. They're staring at me. I'm embarrassed. But little by little, my embarrassment turned to awe. I heard a voice echoing down the corridors of time saying, I was hungry. Did you feed me? I was naked. Did you clothe me? I was sick. Did you care for me? I was the bum you met on Chestnut Street. 
Did you hug me? For if you did it unto the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Amen. Amen. As we sing along with Jason in this beautiful three-part song, ask God this question. What do you require of me, dear God? sacred than sharing a meal with another person. In Jesus's day, a meal was such an important ritual that it was considered almost blasphemous to eat with an unrighteous person. If someone was spiritually unclean, then their presence at the table was a desecration of the whole meal. At least that's what they thought. 
Little did they know that God felt that if someone was excluded from the table, then the meal was desecrated. We learned this from Jesus. Jesus, the man who insisted on eating with tax collectors. Jesus, the man who shared water with a loose Samaritan woman. Jesus, the son of God who insisted that his disciples feed every last man, woman, and child who followed him into a desolate place. Jesus, the Savior who calls us to feed the least of these, each one representing himself. Jesus teaches us that a meal is sacred and made all the more so when it is shared with someone else, especially someone who is hungry or sick or imprisoned or homeless or naked or gay or undocumented or transgender or mentally ill or, well, you get the picture. The least of these that Jesus refers to in our scripture today happen to be any person who is in need, any person who is ostracized from society for any reason, and any person in need of an act of love. And it just so happens that each one of us was so in need of an act of love that Jesus died to give us what we needed. This meal represents his most significant act of love, and we are all invited. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. We love you, O God, and we thank you for this bread and for this cup. We thank you for sacrificing yourself for us. And as we celebrate this sacred ritual, fill us with the desire to make sacrifices for others in your name. Amen. Take and eat the body of Christ, the bread of heaven. Take and drink the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Let us celebrate all that Christ has done as we sing our communion hymn, When You Do This, Remember Me. And a stranger wants to now belong to her. Once far away, you are brought home into God's family. When you would
which you can find printed in the About This Episode segment of the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ, Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ, Christ will come, come again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. And now go from this place and be kind to the people you meet. Seek out the people who need you and love them. For in loving them, you love our Lord, Jesus Christ. And now let us sing with Jason and Mariana our hymn of sending forth, Cuando el pobre, when the poor ones. When the poor ones who have nothing share with strangers When the thirsty water give unto us all When the wounded in their weakness strengthen others Then we know that God still goes that road with us then we know that God still goes that road with us. that road with us. Wonder. 
¿Sí? Uh -huh. Está aquí.